1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers who make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and in this first episode of 2024, I'm joined by former freestyle dirt bike rider, Harley Davidson stunt jumper, and stand-up comic, Clint Esposito. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2023 series and revisit all the season's action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and behind the scenes video content. Look for the 2024 race schedule to be announced soon over on the MotoAmerica.com website and be sure to follow Moto America on social media for real-time series updates and original content. Well, welcome everyone to our first show of 2024. Producer Kevin, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing today?
0: I'm still alive. The EKG machine shows a, a faint heartbeat. Oh,
1: that's good. Is that what those machines do? Right? Yeah, something like that. Right?
0: I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Google it right now and then edit that out. <laughs> EKG machine. I'm leaving all this on the podcast, by the way. Everybody that. Uh, listen to the last episode of 23 and they were like, well, thank God that he only has Kevin on once a year. (laughs) They're in for a rude awakening for, for 2024. I just confirmed EKG machines. It looks like it does do the heartbeat thing. So I am right. I'm leaving it in. How are you doing, Dale? I never ask how you're doing. I always make it about me. How, how was your, uh, new year's?
1: It was pretty uneventful really, but you know, that's what happens when you get older, I guess. I mean, I don't go out anymore. Really? I don't even think I stayed up till New Year's this year. So just another day for me, unfortunately. But what is cool to me about the new year is that the Supercross Series kicks off and it just kicked off last weekend. So for me, Anaheim won, which is the first round every year at Angel Stadium. For dirt bike fans, that's the Super Bowl. So not much more of a hyped race. Everybody's excited. There's been a few months off. And so it did not disappoint for sure. So. I'll be sending you links so you can check it out. Maybe even just the recap videos. That way you don't have to sit through hours of it. And you can kind of get the cliff note version of each race. Maybe I'll do that.
0: Yeah, you're speaking my language. Cliff notes right up my alley. Harkens back to the college days. Uh, (laughs) Well, you're you're lucky, Dale. Now that the NFL season is winding down, I'm going to have more bandwidth to devote.
1: Well, you know, like I think... You'll start to realize that, you know, stick and ball sports really aren't all that after you start watching wheel sports. <laughs> so what do you think, though? You, you So you're interested in checking out some races? I'm in. Yeah, Peacock. Peacock? Uh, I'm
0: in, if just to be more informed for these weekly podcast recordings. So every week, you're not just like, hey, did you see the race? And I'm like, nah.
1: Do you have Peacock, though?
0: Uh, I do have Peacock, yeah. I'm always, like, shuffling between streaming services uh, because... They're just getting too expensive to have all of them. Currently we do have Peacock, but it might change down the line.
1: Yeah. So you with Peacock, you can go back and rewatch them if you want. You don't have to watch them same day or whatever. You can just go back and rewatch the episode. But speaking, of, you just brought up something though that's been driving me nuts though. Like this whole streaming thing, I mean, a little tangent here, but I mean, how getting out of control, isn't it? Like it's, I feel like they're they're gotten to the point where it's almost more now than cable used to be.
0: I can start a whole podcast about just how much I hate. Streaming services. <laughs> I know you said tangent, but I'm like, no, let's just make this a whole episode. Let's just cancel the guest. Let's just talk about how Netflix is too expensive and the content isn't worth paying
1: for. Like, I'm already like paying for an Amazon Prime membership, you know, which annual like went up to 150 bucks. And then now they want to ding you for three bucks a month if you don't want to watch commercials on Prime. So I'm like, that sounds like a reason to hit the exit door. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Well, I'm excited about our first guest, Kevin. Uh, pretty unique. I've never had someone like this on. His name is Clint Esposito from New Jersey. He's a dirt bike riding stand-up comic. How cool is that?
0: I mean, he's doing a lot of things that just make me nervous, right? Like riding motorcycles <laughs> <laughs> makes me nervous. Doing stunts on them don't even
1: get me started. Public speaking. Oh, yeah. And freestyle motocross, which is even scarier than you know everybody like it's funny how like the motocross guys say the freestyle guys are crazy and then the you know the freestyle guys say the motocross guys it's always the way it is but it's just they're all crazy that way they all do things that are are risky but for clint yeah he was a motocrosser turned freestyle rider and then he becomes a, a stand-up commu- oh and a harley davidson stunt jumper it's gonna be interesting I'm excited to welcome our first guest of 2024, Clint Esposito. Clint, how are you today? What's happening on the East Coast of the United States?
2: I'm doing well, just... My workout today was shoveling the driveway, so it's good. I'm all warmed up and ready to go for the interview. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Sound like you just got hammered for sure with the little nor'easter, I think maybe it was.
2: I think that's what they call it. Yeah, I always like saying
1: nor'easter. My wife always laughs at me because I grew up sort of in the Midwest, East Coast, and we got those nor'easters too. But so did you get a chance to catch the Supercross over the weekend? I hope so. It was absolutely incredible. I just wonder what your thoughts are.
2: I did. I actually had it playing on my phone in the truck while i was plowing and then <laughs> re-watched it again yesterday after i woke up from my nap uh it was awesome i mean it's always good to get the first one out of the way a couple of surprises i guess is cooper webb yeah right like where did that guy come from from paris to now um i think a lot of the media has been downplaying how good jet is going to be making like it's not going to translate to indoors but uh you know i think we a lot of us expected that to happen.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I wasn't surprised whatsoever, you know, that he was just kind of holding that little three-second, two, three-second lead, and then all of a sudden at the end, he had like eight seconds. And I'm going, this guy just is – he's so sneaky fast, isn't he? You know, it's just – it's incredible. Like, I think James Stewart even on the broadcast mentioned Jet Cross rutted on one section. He's like, he even made that look easy. You know, like most people probably be laying on the ground.
2: Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's – he's doing – like more than the other riders but he's so quiet that it's really the nuances that you don't you don't realize what he's actually doing or the speed that he's going just cuz he's very very smooth
1: definitely it's like he's got this insane poker face that he just is able to keep his emotions in check and, you know, not do like what James Stewart used to do, which was annihilate his competition by 45 seconds in some cases, you know? So it's just such a different outlook.
2: Yeah. And that caught James that caught, you know, like same thing with Eli when he was uh, leading at Thunder Valley. Right. What did he have when he crashed and ruined his shoulders? Probably like a 20 second lead or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like he could have backed it down and played it safe, you know, finished out the season, whatever. Also, even Kenny, I feel like in 2000, what was it 16 when he got hurt? He he wasn't in the lead and he was like, I'm going to get to the lead right now. And ultimately, it's like all those guys needed, you know, to chill out just a little bit and be a little smarter. And it kind of seems like Jet has seemed mature for a long time. I feel like even when he was, you know, the first year or so when he, he did make a lot of stupid mistakes and crashed, but he's gotten, you know, noticeably better from year to year as far as doing that and the, those things and being calm. Yeah.
1: Well, it's going to be, if that was any sign, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be going to be a pretty interesting series. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about why we have you on the show, because I think you have such an interesting background, Clint. You started out racing moto like a lot of us. Then you change to Freestyle MX, you know, probably in the early 2000s. You're a Harley stunt rider and jumper, a podcast host, and a stand-up comic. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of stuff, you know? Like, it seems like you've been there and done a lot
2: of things. Talk about ADD, right? Like, (laughs) ah! (laughs) Squirrel! (laughs) That's how I feel sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I would say I was very lucky to basically have freestyle find me kind of very, very early on. And then I just realized that it was going to be a much more consistent way to make money, maybe. Yep. I needed to get faster before I was going to make the amount of money I could make jumping because they were already offering you money and then paying for your hotel and whatever. And I realized that I split off to that. Once I stopped doing freestyle, I initially actually originally had the idea to do the Harley jump in my head. But um, I basically got hurt, stopped doing freestyle, and then was kind of like, didn't even actually touch a motorcycle for probably like two years. Because mm. I, I, I was on crutches for the first six months or something. So you really did yourself in there, sounds like. Yeah. Well, and then I got an infection. Uh-huh. I broke my tib-fib compound. This is just literally, I'm a freestyle motocross rider, right? I go to race some 30 plus class at the local at some local track in texas and uh just spun on they had like a supercross triple there and i was jumping it in practice first two motos i got stuck behind some people i wasn't able to jump it and then in the third moto i finally got out front and uh went to jump it like i did in practice which was just kind of roll the corner and then like accelerate through the face and the the track had dried out a bunch and I just spun up the face and I uh, cased the triple real bad. It got pitched kind of sideways, put my leg out. Mm. And I, that's how I broke my leg. So uh, like I said, I didn't ride anything. But everybody was like, you're done riding, right? And I was like, I don't see me never riding anything ever again. Let's be serious. <laughs> like That's an unrealistic yeah. <laughs> thing to expect here. So uh, my initial thing, I did think about the Harley thing. And a lot of people were like, you know, it's a dumb idea. Uh, so then I was kind of like, what else could I do where, um, you get those nerves. You're still like, I guess, performing. I never thought of myself as like a performer, but I guess that's what it is. And that you have the opportunity to travel. And while I was riding still, I had separated my shoulder and I hired an extra rider. And then I just announced. You know, so then I started slipping jokes in during the show, and I could catch like three people laughing at them because they were pretty like inside baseball, like dirt bike stuff. Yeah, I honestly didn't expect anybody to get it. I was just making jokes that I was laughing at, and then I noticed some people, and I was like, "Oh man, like I'm just in the wrong venue for this, but this is fun." So that's probably 2014 or something like that. And then I move back up to New Jersey and. I'm like thinking about it. And I was listening to Rogan a bunch at the time, which sounds cliche, I guess. (laughs) But uh, I'm like, he's like a meathead as well. And he does comedy. So it's not totally out of the realm of possibilities, you know, because I think you don't think of people like me when you think of comedians right off of the bat. So that gave me a little bit of like, oh, like you, you can be whatever and do comedy. Might as well go for it if you're in New Jersey, you're right next to New York, like, What a better place if you're gonna, you know, take a stab at doing comedy than here? So I started doing that, and then eventually I was like, you know what, the Harley jump's not a stupid idea. (laughs) And then then, uh, I actually just happened to find the bike that I have now on Facebook Marketplace, and it's a XG 750, which is like uh, Evil Knievel jumped in XR, which is the flat track bike. When they remade the flat track bikes in the 2010s, they made a street version of the 750 on that platform. And somebody had actually bought it and then put a race motor in it and stuff and made it into a flat tracker. So. I like really lucked out on the platform and it that it was already, you know, had some work done to it and stuff.
1: And I think I saw where you put like some CRF forks on it. You kind of retrofitted those on there. And and I think I saw a video of you kind of like shaking it down, going down like some train tracks, like you're hitting a set of whoops or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: That's like literally like 40 yards from the house right here. But uh, yeah, I bought some 2022 CRF 450 forks, triple clamp, everything had a different stem made for it, and then mounted it on the bikes. My issue right now is that there's not enough offset in the triple clamps, so I can barely turn. Mm. So, like, you can't lean very hard. I, the first time I took it out, I almost fell over because I just, like, leaned in real hard. And then the thing, like, barely turns. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> now you have that wall
1: ride. So how does that work, then, with the, with the sketchy steering?
2: Well, that was my whole thing with that was I didn't want to go up it too straight because then I wouldn't be able to turn my wheel in and catch myself because the whole thing with those on like a BMX or on a dirt bike if you start to fall like you never turn up if you turn up the wall you're gonna slide down it so you always want to point your front end down basically when you start to fall down if your front end is at least straight it'll like catch you and scoop you out forward And I was like, if I get stuck real foot, like pointed up and I start to fall essentially backwards, you know, like my front end's not going to do anything for me. So um, I just started it real wide. I had him make a new line for me, like all the way to the right side and just tried to sweep around it as much as I could. The other thing is I hadn't done a wall ride and probably, which that's Brody Wilson's house Mm. in uh, Massachusetts. And I probably haven't ridden there in 10 plus years. And that's the last time I did a wall ride, I would imagine. So it was like I had to relearn again. I kept going. I'm like, why can't I go up the wall? And then I finally remembered that you have to like look up the wall when you're going up You know, to the base of it. That was like halfway through the day, I finally remembered that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's how you go higher up the wall.
1: <laughs> we'll get back to the conversation in one moment.
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com.
1: Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and
1: conditions apply. Well, Clint, I want to hear more about this. I saw on your social media, you had a post about these. Uh, I think it was something about this. Does this landing make me look fat or something like that? You mentioned sketchy cheese grater landings on the on the cheese wedge, which was your van, I think. Somehow you put the landing ramp was built on the top of your van or something like that. Yep, love to hear
2: this story. So that actually was in two thousand and one. So that's actually the uh, second or third portable, probably the third portable landing, maybe in the world. For sure in the United States, really. At that point, the. warp tour had that little tiny wooden landing ramp that if you watch like old moto triple x's carry Hart mm-hmm. and feist and all those guys are jumping to like a literally like a seven foot tall square wedge and then uh mark burnett had a flatbed truck that he turned into a landing then i bought the box van it was it was a 16 foot box van and originally it was a flat deck on top. So you had 16 foot of safety and then there was a downside, but you had to have like a forklift to pull the pieces out and then assemble everything. <laughs> and it took like three hours. So I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. It's not worth it to do this every time. So I go home and I tell my dad, I'm like, uh, I'm going to cut the box van on an angle. And he's like, what? You just spent like all this money on that van. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, (laughs) because we're about to cut it in half. So I then cut it. I uh, pulled the two floorboards out of the box and then welded up off of the beams for the truck and welded the vertical supports and then built the uh, decking on it. And then it went through like five iterations before it got to that picture that you saw. Hilarious. Yeah. It had expanded metal. For people that don't know, in the the center of it originally was even plywood, then eventually it was um, sheet metal. But the wings, so I had like these big hinged pieces on either side and on the bottom that would fold out to make it wider. And those were all expanded metal. So that's like if you ever go to uh, like Sonic and sit at the tables outside Mm -hmm. at Sonic, they have expanded metal just covered in rubber basically looks like a big old cheese grater
1: looks like it's not very thick to her when you're landing could you feel that stuff kind of flexing a little bit
2: a little bit and eventually it would get pushed down in between the braces so you would get a little bit of a ripple from it otherwise they're just so heavy you know if you added any more so they didn't get that they would be so heavy going down the road that was a um ford econoline like 350 diesel box van I had to add three leaf springs and they were still bent over backwards, like bending down by the time like I got rid of the thing. <laughs> I think the box was probably like 8,000 pounds worth of metal on top of it.
1: <laughs> well, it seems like all this sort of learning, building these ramps, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm sure all that's come in handy, you know, with the Harley Davidson jumps. And then I think I saw where you even have some fire <laughs> walls that you that you go through. I mean, it just sounds like a cool classic, you know, stunt show.
2: Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to simplify it, Dale. I'm not trying to get all crazy anymore where you got to cross over your motorcycle. No, yeah. uh, I'm trying to go old school, you know, and simplify is a little better too. With less jumps, you know, the spectacle is that you're even jumping the bike. It's not that you can do a double backflip, no hander. So
1: yeah, it's old school, can evil
2: stuff, you know, I mean, it's cool. I would say that the problem with freestyle a little bit is that it's gotten to a level that even motocross guys can't relate to it that much because, like, you know, it's like skateboarding. If you don't skateboard the stuff they're doing, you're like, I don't even know what's going on. Exactly. You know, so you can't appreciate it. And I think that freestyle has gotten to such a high level that, like, your regular guy can't really grasp all that's going on or what it feels like or anything. But You have a much bigger percentage of the population that rides Harley Davidsons and street bikes and can at least just be like, imagine riding their bike straight off of a ramp, you know?
1: No, I think it's brilliant because it's, I I went to the, I was able to attend the Harley Davidson 120th anniversary event and they had like the wall of death. I mean, they had all kinds of cool stuff like that going on to where that particular demographic That's like the ideal crowd for that type of jumping, where I could just see it would be a huge hit.
2: So I actually rode freestyle motocross, not to make myself sound old, at the 100th anniversary of Harley-Davidson. in Nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And then we saw Billy Idol after that. He was awesome. He was like 50 years old, and he was just making out with older women in the front row (laughs) with his leather boots to his knees and like 70 zippers on his jacket. It was amazing. Oh,
1: such different times in so many ways.
2: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? 20 years makes a big difference. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. You know, like back in that time when you were doing freestyle, I, I was actually working at Smith Optics then, and we sponsored quite a few freestyle athletes. We had all kinds of like Mike Jones, and I made a bunch of different guys to where I remember going to an event. It was just such a different time. Like everybody just partied so hard after the freestyle. I'll never forget it being in the bar with Mike Jones there. And then he would walk up to people and say, hey, you want a tank top? People say yes, and they proceed to rip their sleeves right off their shirt.
2: That's also a um, Red Bull X-Fighters thing. By the end of the after party, no one has sleeves. And Jonesy (laughs) may have started that. I don't know, because he did X-Fighters early on. Um, But I was around Jonesy a bunch in the beginning as well when he had the funsy and all that stuff. Yeah, great guy, though.
1: I noticed too, though, like one of your podcasts that you're doing is with Steve Summerfield, another, he seems like he's into the freestyle history like you. And so you guys do this podcast together, Two Wheels to Freedom and the Riders Lounge podcast. Are they kind of the same or is it the, are they two separate?
2: So we basically combined forces there. So when I was doing the Two Wheels of Freedom show before, I asked my one friend, Javier, I was ta- asking him about people to be on the show and he actually goes, My one friend, Steve, he goes, you'll probably actually really like each other. So sure enough, we did a podcast and then we just kept in touch after that. And then he started asking me about, because I'd already been doing mine for probably three years at the time or something. And uh, he started asking me about what to get and things like that. So I was helping him with equipment and whatnot. And then we just stayed in touch. So we go back and forth a lot just to help create content for one another. So we do the throwback moto Thursdays every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern because Steve is in Germany. So we do it 5 p.m. We watch an uh, old event and we comment on it. And then basically we'll usually have like a 20 minute chat after the event. And he will clip just that and put it up on his audio podcast. Basically, we're teaming up to try and put out freestyle motocross content and cover it as far as like news and anything like that, because there's nobody else really curating anything in that space other than, you know, just like videos themselves or events themselves. But nobody is really reporting or commenting on those events
1: well something else i noticed too so you got your two wheels to freedom podcast and i noticed you created an event that's coming up here in april called two wheels to freedom fest april 19th through the 20th so tell me about that because i mean it kind of seems like all this is culminating kind of coming together into this sort of perfect storm where you've got you're doing the harley jumping and then all of a sudden now you're going to create a festival pretty cool
2: So years ago, I did amateur freestyle motocross contests. My friend Trevor, who owns uh, Cedar Grove MX in South Carolina, had messaged me on Facebook and was just like, hey, I already have a ramp and a landing, yada, yada. Would you want to do an amateur contest? I wanted to do it, but I'm like, there's really not that many freestyle kids in any one given location other than maybe California. Um, So I'm like, I just think that everybody's so scattered that it's really hard to get something like that together and have it be profitable. We just didn't say anything for months. And then I started doing the Harley jumper. I jumped it for the first time at the fair. And I was like, you know, now that I'm doing this, why don't we have Harleys there, too?
1: Cool. Are you going to throw in a little, little comic set
2: while you're there, too? So everybody has done their jumps with like this big dramatic buildup and I'm gonna have like a build-up, but I'm gonna make it funny. So my whole thing with my show is gonna be combining my ability to make things funny and my knowledge of motorcycling or whatever and just put together a show that is thrillingly funny. If it's not so serious, we're not gonna try and bring all the drama like whatever, but it's gonna be, you know, a good fun show.
1: I'm the stand-up, the comedy thing. Um, I'm still just blown away because I mean, I think you're the first motocrosser stand-up comic I've ever met. That's for sure, and so it's very unique to begin with. But again, it's it seems like it takes a lot of nerve to stand up in front of a lot front of people by yourself and have them all be focused on you. Now, of course, we have a little bit of that from being racers, people looking at us, but we don't have a helmet to hide behind when you're up on a stage. I don't know what's what's it like to stand up and do a show like that.
2: Well, I like to always. You know that was one of the things when I first started doing comedy. People would be like, "Aren't you afraid to get up in front of those people?" And I'm like, "You realize I jump motorcycles for a living for 16 years. <laughs> exactly. Like, I might be nervous, but I'm not afraid. Like worst case scenario, people don't laugh at me." Whereas worst case scenario in freestyle is, you know, people do laugh at me and I can't walk later.
1: Now, that's a good way of looking at it. Cause like there's no physical pain that's going to result. Uh, maybe not, you know, who knows? Somebody might, <laughs> yeah.
2: but well, people like to act like falling in front of 7,000 people alone isn't embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that sucks just by itself. I had one, uh, it was a concrete floor and monster trucks went out and did donuts and I pulled out onto the floor and just go to clear my bike out, just go run by the ramp and I hit a patch of oil. Now, mind you, I've been on the floor for 20 seconds, maybe. And I go to go past the ramp and just slide out without doing anything into the cru- the crush car. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you do after that at the autograph line. All the kids are like, Oh, you're the guy that crashed into the car. <laughs> like, shit. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, you said that you know, I'm the only uh, motocross guy to switch over to comedy. I like to tell everybody I'm the, also the best. <laughs> 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 Nobody better than me, motocross comedians. All right? That's it. Well, you did do.
1: Like, I mean, you know, you did a set for the pop MX show in 2019. Looks like you opened up one of their live shows. And that's pretty cool, too. You know, like, I mean... How many times can you say you go to a show like that and you get an opening comedy set that's motocross focused?
2: That was awesome. So I actually opened up for two. I helped them set up the one in New Jersey and then I opened up for that. And then I flew myself out to Las Vegas to get to do that one. Um, I had never, you you can't do motorcycle jokes even in general to a normal crowd. They don't get any of it. Yeah, they're not going to get it. (laughs) The first one in New Jersey, I had a couple of jokes prepared. And then they worked so well that I stopped and I've I've it like confused me honestly. I was like, whoa. Because normally, like I said, if I had said anything about motorcycles in a set, people would stare at me. So then I prepared more For the next time in Vegas. And it was really awesome just being able to talk about something that I know so well and make like very specific. It was almost cheating because I listened to the show enough to know what the inside jokes were. And I knew that the crowd was there specifically for the show. So they knew all the inside jokes. Then it was like, what was going on with racing itself? Like that was the year that Tomac won like nine races and then lost the championship. So I was like, hey, who's a Tomac fan? I was like, who's a Cowie fan? And it's like the same people are like, yeah. And I'm like, who are you blaming? And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so it was just cra- It was so fun. I honestly would love to do just more moto stuff because uh, getting to just write jokes about that stuff and then having them work was just awesome and I that's why even some of the rally thing I'm like I can set up kind of my own opportunities to get to be in this space of like comedy slash motorcycle stuff
1: <laughs> so now it sounds like you know I, I read where you said uh, you realized at a young age that a 95 wasn't for you however you do have a job now at, at a theater the Dunnellan theater but I assume that kind of goes along with your comedy role.
2: Yeah. The Danell. And so that's actually owned by Richie Zupko. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's even a motocross tie in with that. (laughs) Richie, if anybody from New Jersey knows Richie, he's a legend here in New Jersey. Um, And just the nicest guy. That's probably why everyone knows him just because he's super nice to everyone. (laughs) Uh, And he was fast. So that doesn't hurt either. But um, I was basically just producing comedy there. I've, recently been trying to just focus on growing the two wheels of freedom YouTube and my personal YouTube. So basically two wheels, of freedom is just all the motorcycle related stuff. My personal YouTube is comedy stuff, motorcycle stuff. Um, and we've been doing a little bit of like a comedy action skits. So, like, some falls and stuff, but in comedic sketches. Yes, those are funny. Like, on your Instagram, right? Yeah, exactly. I do them on Instagram. And the thing is called Uber Action, which is a a stunt performer friend and I doing it, basically. Zoltan is a full-time stunt guy. That's what he does. Like, he's been killed by The Rock. (laughs) And, uh, you know, (laughs) he was chopping bodies up for American Horror Stories and throwing them in a fire the other week. So, um, that's all that Zoltan does. So I'm kind of learning from him and just combining being a meathead and willing to fall, I suppose, and uh, you know making fun of things.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely some good stuff. So I'm kind of curious to know, like, with all these different facets of what you do, like, how how do you kind of describe yourself overall?
2: Like I said earlier, ADD. I guess <laughs> I don't know. No, I I mean, I guess I'm a creator. I don't know. I I wouldn't. I don't know that I've thought about it, but I guess I'm a creator because even back in the freestyle days, like a lot of people knew who I was. I had FMX East, like you said, and I did two full length DVDs with that. And then in between the two um, DVDs, I'm like, I need to keep putting content out to get our awareness up. So rappers made mixtapes. So we started doing the FMX East mixtapes, which was basically Paul Smith you know, rest in peace, Paul Smith, but it was Paul Smith and I just like going and riding every day. He, he moved down from Canada, lived with me and we went and rode every day. And, uh, at that point I had Durham town, didn't have a riding spot or anything yet. I had the only riding spot in Georgia. So everybody all winter would come down and stay at my house. So we would just film every day, go home, drink whiskey in the kitchen and edit our videos together (laughs) and then put them up on YouTube. Now, this is 2006. So YouTube has just started. And we're just putting out videos weekly. After that, I went to uh, Mexico City to do a show. And I had this little kid run up to me and he starts like, quoting stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? And he starts saying names. And I realized it's all the quotes, and the people from the videos <laughs> online. That kid ended up being Eric Ruez, who actually went and competed in Red Bull. uh, I can't believe I can't remember what the name is right now. And then I was somewhere. Oh, and then there were some kids that I reposted our first one. And like uh, some bigger name guys, uh, Garrett Alf, and uh, some other guys are like, I used to rush home from high school and look for your guys' videos. And like Garrett and Jeff Griffin, those guys are like turned out to be incredible riders so like even just you know like did i influence them probably not it was just content for them to absorb at the time but for them those guys like that to grow up to be those guys to have at any point been like dude i used to watch your stuff all the time like it's pretty cool that's
1: pretty cool well one, one last question here before we start to wrap this up so I'm, I'm curious to know like what's what's the first thing that comes to mind to you as a standout moment in your career, whether it's comedy on motorcycle, whatever?
2: I would say probably, and it's, I guess, maybe cliche, but landing backflips or like just breaking through the barrier of being able to do it. I was so afraid of the flip. And even when I initially learned it, I was like engaging my clutch. And then uh, I was actually at, Travis's house and I flipped and he goes is your clutch slipping and I go no and he goes could you be engaged in pulling it in I go yeah I do leave my finger on it he goes take your finger off and do exactly what you did he goes cuz you know most people go off the ramp and they go wing and he goes your bike just goes ba off the end I took my finger off I did one and a half flips <laughs> so then it was like the next 6 months of trying to convince myself you don't need to pull that hard <laughs> so like the mental barrier of it and accomplishing that it has been a big thing that I always can reflect on throughout my whole life now. When things get hard or when things are hard, you know, like I just know that if you want it bad enough and you're willing to be scared or whatever the case may be, you can figure it out and you can do it. I think that's probably why that ends up being the standout moment is just because it was something I accomplished that I didn't think that I would. And it's really made an impact on what I or anyone can do if they really, you know, if you really want to, you'll figure it out.
1: Well, uh, how can people follow your content, Clint, and uh, maybe see you at a comedy show? And, you know, when's your first HD uh, Harley Davidson jump demo for 2024?
2: I don't have anything on the. On the books right now, we're talking to everybody trying to get stuff lined up. So I don't know when the first Harley jump will be, but you can find everything. I'm just at Clint Esposito on basically everything YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or Two Wheels to Freedom. Like I said, if you don't want to hear my comedy stuff and just see the motocross stuff then uh, or like bike stuff, then go to Two Wheels of Freedom. If you want the total package, you can just follow me at Clint Esposito.
1: Oh, and don't forget about the Two Wheels to Freedom Fest, right? April 19th to the 20th. In the, was it the Carolina region, you said?
2: South Carolina. That's right. And then we're going to have dirt drags for the Harleys and for the dirt bikes. We're going to have a pit bike race. We're going to have an amateur freestyle motocross contest. We're going to have some bands. There, there will be a separate 21 and up camping area where there'll be a bar. Um, and then up in the front, you'll have the, like I said, the motocross track, the freestyle motocross course. Um, and then I'll be jumping the Harley there as well. So it should be, you know, if the kid wants to ride and the dad wants to ride his Harley around, we got you covered.
1: Well, it sounds like a fantastic time, and uh, any listeners out there interested, definitely look Clint up and uh, check out his comedy and all his freestyle videos, all that good stuff. Clint, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you coming on and telling some of your story. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: If you enjoyed this episode follow pit pass moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode you can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to past episodes and find the latest news on the pit pass motorsports blog powered by podium life there you'll find articles and other industry news focused exclusively on two and four wheel motorsports head to pitpassmotorsports.com to listen to the latest episode of pit pass moto this has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to the production team at Wesler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you will join me next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. For the
2: ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early,